Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Time to talk all things dirty birds. It's Falcons Flyover with John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game is John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Monday evening. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Watching some uh, Braves baseball right now. They are up 4-2. to two. We'll update you here in just a little bit on what the game is. Right now, though, it's your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Well, the ro- the uh, Falcons have made a, a flurry of roster moves here over the last couple of days. And obviously, you know, guys are already getting cut and things like that. So, first off, they signed defensive back Bless Austin. Uh, I guess it's Bless Juan Austin. Uh, drafted by the Jets in the sixth round of the 2019 draft. He's played for the Jets. He's played for Seattle. I think he was on Denver's practice squad. Again, you're just looking for depth help, right? No sacks, no interceptions. Um, He has played, um, he has started 17 games uh, in his career. Hasn't been on an active roster since 2021, but again, looking for some depth. Now, the Falcons did make some you know, kind of whole high-profile moves. Michael Walker uh, was cut over the weekend. And, look, he did not play all that well. And, you know, he – when he came in the league, he was certainly a guy that had some speed and was good in pass coverage. But, it ha- but enough hasn't developed since then. You know, he would be in positions and not be able to make some plays. And I like Michael Walker. I interviewed him when he first got drafted by the Falcons. Jarvis and I had him on the show. I, I like him, and, and I root for him. And I think he's, I think he's a decent player. It just, it, unfortunately, just for what the Falcons are wanting to do, I don't necessarily know that it was a good fit. Because, again, with what their defense is, he's not a natural outside linebacker that's a speed guy. He's not also a natural inside linebacker that's a hit-and-go kind of guy. You know, he's kind of a hybrid, maybe in more of a 4-3 type of a defense. You know, maybe there could be a role for him. But in this kind of 3-4 or, you know, hybrid types of defense, I'm not sure what his defined role would be. And so, you know, again, not the biggest guy. I mean, again, he's not not that small, but, I mean, he's, he's not a 
big physical linebacker like a Troy Anderson, and it was certainly better in pass coverage than taking on defenders. But I just don't know what the role was going to be for Michael Walker moving forward. So, and unfortunately, they released him. Uh, Frank Darby is another guy that uh, feels like – Frank Darby feels like he's been around for 40 years. And I, I know there has been this folklore about Frank Darby. Like, there's been this – there's been this kind of Paul Bunyan-esque about Frank Darby. Oh, he's got the speed and he's got this and that. Yeah, but he can't do anything. He, he doesn't do anything. You know, I don't even know how many catches – let me see how many catches Frank Darby even had last year. So it's been a lot more mythical, fantasy, you know, just fairy tale like more than it's been actual production. Yeah, last year he caught one pass for 15 yards. Targeted once, one pass for 15 yards. Now, again, he does play some special teams and all that, but there are 400 million Frank Darbys in the world. So, again, the production never matched anything. Um, not really surprised by all of this. Was not going to play any part of the offense. Was not going to have any role or what have you. But it feels like he's been a name that has been associated with the Falcons for a decade. Feels like he's always been around here, but it hasn't really kind of materialized into any production. So, look, I mean, they are, you know, starting to – you know, cut some players. We'll see what happens with Matt Hennessy because, you know, just reading some things from, like, even our own Joe Patrick, you know, is is he going to end up on IR when all is said and done? And, by the way, another guy that, you know, made at least made some plays for himself with Jalen Mayfield. You know, and, and uh, the coach talked about Jalen Mayfield just from the sense of, hey, you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to compete – for that swing tackle spot. Had he swung and missed on Friday, I think he'd have been cut. I think he would have been released. If if it would have been a swing and a miss, he would have been released on Friday. Because he played a lot on Friday. And they didn't start any of their guys on the offensive line. They played guys like Mayfield a good bit and they played him at tackle. So at least, like I said, I, I thought he at least looked competent. He at least looked like he belonged in the NFL. Not starting, not playing a significant role, but at least a swing type of tackle for this team. And Mayfield's still here for right now. Maybe he can win that job. Maybe not. Um, but Hennessy's the one that I'm concerned about now at this point. Because, again, if we're in a situation where Matthew Bergeron is playing because of injuries and being forced into playing. That's what happened to Mayfield. We lost our starting left guard right at the beginning of uh, the regular season, right before we finished up training camp, finished up preseason. Our starting left guard went down, and Mayfield had to go in and plug in. And I don't want that for Matthew Bergeron. I don't want that for him. He needs to be able to win that job on his own, not because there's nobody left, Right. So we'll see what happens uh, in all of that. But, um, again, oh, and by the way, too, uh, Clark Phillips was back at practice today. That's a good sign. Hopefully he play. If he's practicing this week, hopefully we get to see him coming on Friday. As Arthur Smith said, starters are planning on playing. Starters are going to play. A lot of teams have played their starters last week. We talked about the Saints. They played their starters. 
You know, say what you will, but, I mean, some of these teams, everybody's got a different philosophy and approach to this. But, again, Arthur has said that in game number two, he's going to play his starters. I think this will be the only action we see from the starters. I don't think we'll see anybody come game number three. All right, let's uh, hear from uh, B. John Robinson as he uh, doesn't want to talk at all while I'm on the field. I'm, I don't, I'm not a big trash talker at all. I don't say a word uh, when I'm on the field. You know, I, I keep silent, and I just know that the next play, you know, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to make the defenders be uncomfortable uh, in any way I can. Well, you don't have to talk if your play backs it up, right? I mean, reality. I mean, if, if you're good enough and you play good enough, you don't have trash talk. Here's uh, Robinson talking about his mindset to be disciplined on and off the field. No matter how much success you have or don't have, like, you know, you still got to be the best person you can be um, on the field and off the field, or on the field and on the field. And, I mean, for me, like, that, that's been my mentality this whole time in, in my life, and it's really, it's really helped me out a lot. Yeah, look, um, obviously we know he's a really good guy off the field as well. We know he's an excellent player. But we also know that he is a good, upstanding human being. And, um, you know, this franchise, say what you will, they like guys like that. that that's that been an Arthur Smith mantra since he first took over ownership from this team. Here's uh, Robinson talking about how he mentally is ready to go when he steps off the bus. I, when I step on the field, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. When I step off the bus, like, my mindset is already, is already made for the game. And... You know, I, when I get on the field, like the energy, I just see the, the stadium, the stands, all the fans, like I'm already ready to go. Uh, so I say I say my quick prayer, and then I go out there and, and do what I got to do. Well, we're obviously going to see him on Friday. I mean, that that was pretty much the, the, the scuttlebutt was that we will see B. John Robinson come Friday. And I'm looking forward to seeing him. I mean, again, positionless football, that's, that's the mantra right now. So... We, I, I'm interested to see kind of how many different spots that he ends up playing in, right? I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see where, what all he's going to, is he going to line up? Is he going to play any running back? I mean, that may be his least, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, his, his least primary position is running back. He may do a lot more things and split out and all these different kinds of things. All right, here's uh, Robinson talking about how he's not worried about how many times he'll touch the ball. Um, he's just worried about, you know, it, how good his touches and reps are. You know, whatever they have for me, uh, I'm going to go out there and do it. But I'm going to make sure that every time I do touch the ball or even if I don't have the ball in my hands or if I'm blocking downfield, like, giving it my best effort. So, you know, if I have the ball in my hands, you know, you got you to make something special with it uh, as much as you can, and then it, everything goes from there. So, who, who labeled that clip, by the way, just in the sense of did, did – did you label it or no? Because um, oh, whoever I'm, uploaded it, I was just gonna say I, I was reading that. And I was like, not worried about how many times I touch, only about how good my touches and reps. I was like, like that's really wordy. But anyway, <laughs> um, all right. Here's Robinson talking about how he doesn't put expectations on results. You know, expectations for me, I, I don't really look at them. In, in a big way because, you know, I take everything one day at a time. And I know that if I take everything one day at a time, you know, the end goals will, will you know, God willing happen. Um, but I think for me, it's just I don't, I don't really look ahead. But I'm, I'm working hard every day to, to be the best player I can be. And then hopefully um, down the line, those, those expectations will happen. Well, look, um, obviously there is a lot of expectation on him, right? I mean, he is in the crosshairs for 
okay, he's the gem of this class, right? And and he's obviously looked at as he's a premier position or player at his positions, wherever that position is. So there is a lot of expectation on him. I, I know people are drew fantasy prospects and things like that. I mean, again, if that's your thing, that's that's your thing. For for the kind of people that like those kind of things, that's the kind of thing those people like. So again, I I'm not a fantasy guy, but there's a lot of expectation for uh, fantasy teams. If he doesn't have a good week in fantasy, I'm sure there will be people that will be ripping him and this, that, and the other. So, but again, a lot of expectations for him in this offense. So people think he can lead this team in rushing, he can lead this team in touchdowns, he can lead this team in receptions. Like there's a lot of pressure on him because again, when you pick a guy that high, you're expected to you know perform and perform right away. All right, when we get back, we'll talk some Georgia Bulldog football with our guy Chip Towers. Covers the dogs for AJC, AJC.com. What he had to say next, Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Monday evening. Is Well, man, we're inching closer and closer to college football. We got the AP poll out today. No real surprise that Georgia is number one. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our guy in the know. It's our buddy Chip Towers. Of course, he's the Georgia beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work. And, of course, you can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at AJC. Chip, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show. Thanks for joining me tonight. Oh, I'm always glad to join you, John. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the season uh, running up on us here. It's uh, a couple of, couple more weeks, and we'll be talking real games. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, no real surprise about Georgia being number one, both in the coaches' poll and AP poll. Were you a little bit surprised that Georgia wasn't unanimous in either poll? I mean, Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, between the two polls, got some first-place votes. Were you a little bit surprised that just given Georgia's track record this last couple of years that they weren't unanimous number one in both? Well, no. I mean, you know, there there are a few things more useless than a preseason poll, John, <laughs> as you know. And, uh, uh, you know, and I say that, I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, I went pretty deep in my report in the AJC just about, you know, sort of poll history. And it's just the second time Georgia's opened the season as as number one uh, and a consensus number one. But, you know, especially in the um, era of the, uh, of the playoff, it, it you know, it, it, it really doesn't mean they, they're just opinions and everybody has them. Uh, and, you know, but uh, it is notable that that. Georgia remains number one uh, by a goodly margin. You know, you're talking about in the AP poll in particular. I think Michigan got two first-place votes. Ohio State got one, and Alabama didn't get any, which was which was a bit shocking. They did get some from the coaches and, you know, count out Bama at your own peril. But, uh, you know, pretty easy to see what Georgia has going on under Kirby Smart. Um you know, and between the returning talent, you know, 16 returning starters uh, on offense, defense, and special teams, and then, um, uh, you know, Kirby Smart running the show, and and then the schedule, yeah, it's kind of an easy pick. I mean, uh, you know, I haven't looked closely at Vegas odds, but I would imagine Georgia is, uh, you know, has the shortest odds of all for doing that. And, uh, but, you know, uh, Michigan and Ohio state, uh, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, you know, a lot of those other teams are also built for championships this year. And, you know, uh, you know, Georgia's got to do it. Uh, and they're a young team. I think that's one of the sort of underplayed, uh, aspects of this team. They're young. Uh, you don't send, 25 players to the NFL draft in back-to-back seasons without getting a little younger in the process because a lot of those guys were underclassmen that went pro. Um, And so there's always going to be a void uh, college football. I think it's why we love it. One of the reasons is is the cyclical nature of it. Um, Regardless of uh, NIL and transfer portal, guys can't play uh, more than four years anywhere. Well, I shouldn't say that. more than five or six years at least, uh, and the good ones don't play long. So, uh, you know, a lot of turnover. And a lot, and you know, you obviously got to change your quarterback, and that's always uh, iffy uh, whenever you do that. Uh, you know, you think 
everybody's going to be around them and, and, and lift up. Uh, Carson Becker or, or uh, Brock Vandegrift, but yeah, you never can be sure until you get into the thick of it. We, we will be soon. And you know, Chip, I did think it was funny that Kirby pulled the that pulled it right out of the Nick Saban playbook that, well, you guys haven't won anything. That's the old Nick Saban line where he, yeah. he put that mantra out there. And, and it is kind of funny because, I mean, again, you know, it is, it is the Nick Saban mantra. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, look, this is the best program in the country. And, you know, again, I, I know I, I guess this is this year's, you know, well, they picked you to be six and seven, right, that we heard at the end of last year. I guess that's this year's mantra that, hey, you guys haven't won anything about this team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that's classic Nick Saban. Uh, uh, though he delivered it with some real passion this past weekend, you know. Uh, but I, you know, I have yet to uh, witness a, a, a first Georgia preseason camp scrimmage where, you know, Coach Smart, you, you know, praised the team on their readiness and you know superior conditioning and great uh, execution. You know, they, it's just. It doesn't happen. I think part of that is real, and part of it is is just planned. I mean, you 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 you're not going to be as good in your first scrimmage as you will be in your third. And and um, it was 106 degrees on the field at Sanford Stadium. That was a survival of the fittest day um, this past weekend. You know, the humidity was off the charts. So a lot of drop balls. Some of the guys sucking wind. Uh, again, you have a lot of young guys. So the the seniors which were few and far between that were staying out there for any notable period of time because you know what they can do they were like the only ones that were able to really sustain the other guys are are wilting in the in the august heat and and that's understandable uh, better never rest though that's this year's you know kirby always comes up with with an adage with a phrase and Better never rest is this year's an, an homage to the to the uh, All Blacks New Zealand um, rugby team, the most successful professional franchise in history. Um, he's leaning on their lessons uh, and trying to trans translate them and explain them to a bunch of uh, eighteen to twenty two year olds, and so we'll see if that resonates. Uh, yeah, we we won't know for a couple of months, but uh, but once we get well into the season, we'll have an idea of what the character of this team truly is. Chip Towers covering the Georgia Bulldogs for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me on the WadeFord.com hotline. So two things about the running backs. Obviously, Kendall Milton is hurt right now and out, and I guess battling a hamstring injury. So a couple things. One is, what do you think the prognosis is? Do you think he's going to be ready for the regular season? And two is, if Milton is out for any extended period of time, you know how good is the Georgia running back room at this point? Well, I think I think that's a a, a good question. I think that's uh, highly up for debate because uh, you know I mean Kenny McIntosh did so much for Georgia last year, and, and it and it wasn't just catching the ball out of the backfield. I I don't think he probably gets enough credit as a senior last year for really that entire RPO concept that you know Georgia was running under Munkin and Stetson Bennett with great effect. And it's very much a uh, react-on-the-fly type of concept. And, um, you know, uh, McIntosh would line up, and you, you, you didn't know if he was going to be a receiver, a blocker, 
or uh, running with the football, you know, or none of the above. I mean, you just uh, you just didn't know a lot of times going to the line of scrimmage. Georgia's doing a lot of the same stuff this year under Bobo. And, um, you know, Dejon Edwards, I mean, you know, I, I think they could carry the football fine. But will they, I think, is the big question because Dejon Edwards, if you look, he had 140 carries last year. That's just 10 less than McIntosh. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have nearly the number of catches out of the backfield or probably more importantly reps in those kind of critical third down situations that Georgia was highly efficient at, highly efficient. Um, you know, so will we'll Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift, I guess, but uh, Carson Beck is who I expect. Uh, and, and Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton, are those guys going to be able to uh, work with the same type of efficiency uh, that's a little bit of a stretch, especially when you're not out there in practice, such as the case with Milton. I mean, the guy, the guy stayed hurt. That's his, that's the book on him. Um, it's a contract year, if you will. Uh, so I know he wants to play. He wants to play bad. He's just one, and he's doing all kinds of, you know, hamstrings have been a chronic issue for him throughout his career, and it's something that he worked very hard to prevent, but he's been unable to prevent it. So, uh, you know, I don't know how effective Georgia's running backs are going to be. Their backfield at large, uh, Cash Jones has certainly been a buzz. That said, uh, I love Georgia's receiver core. Um, you know, they obviously have Brock Bowers. I mean, I, I frankly expect Georgia to throw the ball around a lot. And that's just not, not strictly because of Carson Beck's makeup, but more about just the strength of the team. I mean, whether it's Mike Bobo or Todd Munkin or really Jim Chaney, I mean, it, you know, for the most part, you're going to find where your strength is and gravitate to it strategically. And for Georgia, that's, that's uh, you know, throwing and catching the football, I think. And uh, that's what I expect to see when we get in the season. But they'll have a serviceable running game. Uh, Branson Robinson is getting healthy. Kendall Milton, I think, will be healthy at some point. Dejon Edwards is, is better than most, and they got some young guys that are really happy. Actually, it's a scrimmage Saturday. Andrew Paul, coming off the ACL, um, had some of the most dynamic plays out of the backfield. So, you know, they'll they'll come up with something. It just might not be what we're used to in a school that's produced Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, and, and that club. So, you know, I'm glad you brought all of that up because – you know, I, I, I am curious. I saw an ESPN article that talked about Carson Beck is the third. They, they have him as the third most important figure in the college football playoff picture, right? And, and, and I can understand why, you know, again, changing quarterbacks after Stetson Bennett's won back-to-back titles. But is this, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. Is this sort of the evolution change for Georgia that – hey, they've got so many wide receivers. They've obviously got maybe the best pass catcher in America in Brock Bowers, that this is that change in evolution for Georgia. I mean, again, we talk about Nick Saban in Alabama. You know, when Lane Kiffin got there, it became another level of offense, and, you know, they never looked back, you know, from from some of those days. But is this sort of that change for Georgia that, look, they're going to be a throw-it-around type of team and – you know, again, with bringing in a new offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, is, is this kind of their evolution of change in offense? 
Yeah, it, it, it very well could be. And, you know, it's kind of been going on in college football everywhere anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it's just uh, I, I still think there's something to be said for controlling the football and power game and, and um, you know, overpowering your team into your opponent into submission. And I think Georgia is still capable of doing some of that. They, they've got some huge guys on the offensive line and, and, um, and you know, backs who, who can definitely carry the rot. But, you know, the, the rules have long favored this type of game. Um, you know, quick pace, long pass, uh, you know, uh, if you don't, if you don't complete it, then you might get a, a, a interference call and and everything we've seen the last several years. So, you know, I, I definitely think it, it that that's going to to be it's going to manifest itself this year as it did to some degree last. Year. I mean, Georgia hadn't produced a thousand yard rusher since DeAndre Swift, I guess, in 2019. I'm not looking at the stats, but I think that's right. And uh, obviously, 2020 was a was a truncated season, but yeah, you know, I mean that you just, you're just not turning and, and burning just nearly as much as you, as you were. And now Georgia, the one thing about it, I mean, they, man, they have some speed. They have some speed and they have some skill. And you add Ra Ra Thomas and, and Dominic Lovett to an already proven group that includes Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, who nobody talks about, you know, Lab McConkey, Brock Bowers, there's no matchup for him anywhere. Um, I mean, you're just going to go to your strengths. And they got plays that, that we saw them last year. And Bobo's going to have some new wrinkles, too. Uh, you know, he's he's done this. Uh, you, know, you didn't ask me about this, but, you know, the Bobo thing is interesting. He, some of the narrative out there is that he's an old-school run-first coach, and that hadn't been the case for him for years. Uh, yeah, he did have Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb all at once. And, you know, I think you'd – be stupid if you didn't give the ball to them pretty often but i mean he was throwing the ball all over the place and uh there and at colorado state and you know at his other stops south carolina and auburn the last three of which he didn't have anything resembling the talent that he gets to play with in athens right now he's never had that talent when he was here before he had talent now but it's just a different level um when it comes to the offensive line and all the other pieces that are around. So I expect Mike Bobo is going to have a good time with this. And there's no telling what you might see. Chip Towers covers all things UGA for the Atlanta journal constitution. Check out all of his great work at AJC.com. And he joined me here on the wait hotline. He's at C towers, AJC on his Twitter page. Chip as always, buddy appreciate a few minutes on the show and we will certainly chat again all through the season as uh, we're just a few weeks away from getting cranked up and going. Okay. Take care, John. You got it. John Chucker, we'll be back. Sports Radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuck Show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929, that is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Uh, Braves are taking it to the New York. We had the New York Mutts that we saw over the weekend. Now it's the New York Yuckies. Um, Braves are up right now 8-2. to two. It's only in the fourth inning thus far. Riley is homered in the game. Um, you got RBIs from Michael Harris, who, by the way, is hitting second tonight. So Ronnie's leading off. Michael Harris hitting second. That's because Ozzie Albies is out for, again, he got hurt last night, had to be pulled from the game. So he is not playing uh, tonight. But um, Harris has a run driven in. Riley, obviously, with the home run. Uh, a couple of RBI for Eddie Rosario, Orlando RC has got an RBI, and uh, believe it or not, um, the hero from the other day, Nicky Lopez, who just continues to just be torrid uh, for the Braves. Here's your remember day day we talk about our seven, eight, and nine hitters. Yep. Okay. L- let me ask you if this is any good. Here's your seven, eight, nine hitters tonight. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are. Five for six with four runs and six RBI. And we're in the fourth inning. Five for six, four runs, six RBI. Is that good? Yeah, that's, well, that's pretty solid. <laughs> I, I think that I, I think that, that is almost a perfect batting. Because, again, let's see. Five out of six, divide the three, multiply by pi. You get the square root of 26. And you divide by the square introverse of 81. And, yeah, that's that's like pretty good. Five of six. Five of six. Oh, yeah, and they've scored four runs and driven in six. Yeah, they're, they're performing. A- ask me how you're going to beat the Braves if the bottom of your order continues to produce like this. Help me understand. Help me understand how we're losing. I don't care if you play the Dodgers. I don't care if you play the 27 Yankees. Your bottom of your order is five for six with four runs and six RBI. How you losing? Yeah, as long as the arms are good, you're 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 in good shape. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and then that turns the lineup over for Ronnie and Harris and Riley and Olson and everybody like that. You don't think that's part of the reason why that Ronnie and Riley and Olson and these guys have had these kinds of numbers because the bottom of the order has produced and and 
provided them extra at bats, turning this getting, line yeah, over. They're getting up to plate, up yeah. to the plate more. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you you don't think that that's been a factor, huh? Huh? Okay, okay. I'll tell you, you're wrong, and you don't understand baseball at that point. But again, uh, Braves taking it to him. Max Fried, you know, he's been fine. You know, he doesn't have to be great. Look, you score eight runs in the fourth inning. You don't have to be good. Just be competent. Four innings, five hits, two earned runs, a walk and a strikeout, 55 pitches. No reason to think that he's not in line for the win. But just be competent. Remember his last start, uh, I don't even know who it was. I'm trying to remember what his last start was. That was Pirate Series. Yeah, the Pirate Series, I think. Yeah, and, you know, again, he couldn't hang on and pitch long enough for the win. Um, yeah, that was the that was the game where they won at six to five, but he only got four innings and four earned runs, and couldn't get through a fifth inning. You know, now tonight, you know, we're kind of getting that somewhere in the middle, right? From what the Cubs start was and the Pirates start, now we're kind of getting that middle ground where I expect him to fall somewhere, probably six innings, couple of runs. That's fine. Just pick up your W and move it along, right? Just move it along. And he's sitting with a 2-7 ERA right now, so still pitching effective. So all good news uh, for the Braves, and obviously, um, you know, the bottom of that order is just raking right now, raking right now. RC is up to 291 on the season. Michael Harris is at 289. Riley all of a sudden is hitting 280 on the year with a 339 on base. And uh, obviously, Olsen has just been a monster um, this year. So, anyway, all good uh, for the Braves. Oh, yeah, Ronnie's 338 with a 423 on base. Is that good? Is that, that, that a pretty good start? It's pretty nice. Yeah, especially with your leadoff hitter. Anyway. All right, um, speaking of getting on the leadoff position, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. You know, you want to believe, right? Like, you want to believe. You want to believe that things can happen the way they happen. You want to believe that good things happen and, and miracles happen, right? You want to believe all of that. Well, that's not happening here. The Michael Orr story. Now, for those who don't know what Michael Orr is, he's the guy from the movie The Blind Side. He was the Mississippi offensive lineman, drafted in the NFL. Obviously, as a kid growing up, he was adopted, and, and I'm going to use that word here in a, in a minute. He was adopted by a family, by a wealthy family, wealthy white family in Mississippi, and ended up his way to Old Miss, and then he played uh, – uh, in the NFL, drafted by the Ravens in the first round and played a few years. And by the way, he made $35 million. So he made good money in the NFL. But now we come to find out that this has been filed as a, I guess, a court brief that has been filed. And I don't remember where this where this actually, uh, where this actually was. Uh, I'm trying to look up the story here. Um but, you know, this is – and this is turning into just kind of one of the most disappointing things that you could ever imagine. So, 
in ten- in a Tennessee court on Monday, Michael Orr, the guy, the subject of the movie The Blind Side from 2009, um, alleges that he was actually never adopted by the family. Uh, is it Tui? I guess Leanne Tui and her and Sean Sean and Leanne Tui. Uh, I can't remember if I'm pronouncing that right, but Sean and Leanne Tui, who brought Michael Orr into their home, but never actually adopted him. And supposedly he's he's alleging that they, at 18 years old, that they had him sign a conservativeship form where basically they held his legal rights, just like what Britney Spears said. They held her, his legal rights and could dictate what happened in his future endeavors. And they basically told him at 18, and look, he wasn't very bright, I mean, when he was younger, right? He had he wasn't getting a good education, things like that. But they told him that, oh, yeah, that this is like adoption, but there's some trickery, you know, with the language and all this kind of stuff. And it turns out that they were making money. Well, again, it's alleged, I will say alleged, that they were making money off this movie and everybody in their family was profiting while Michael Orr didn't get a dime of that money. Now, he says to this day he did not get any money for that movie, that the family was paid $225,000 flat, and then they got a percentage of the of the um, ticket sales or the gate or what have you. That movie went on to make $300 million, and everybody profited off this. Now... I don't have a reason to not believe Michael Orr, but I don't want to believe that it went down like this. Because if it really did go down like this, can I tell you, mom and dad should be in prison. I don't know what the crime is, but taking advantage of a 18-year-old and knowing what his background and his family history and everything that went along with it, Knowing what he was mixed up in and where he came from, if this really is true, that they had him sign this form and they profited off this, somebody should be going to jail. And and, and it makes me sad because this is supposed to be a good, heartwarming, uplifting story. The Blind Side movie, right? You know, you see Sandra Bullock with the uh, with with the guy that played Michael Orr. And they're walking across the field, and it's all this feel-good stuff, right? Yeah, and unfortunately, reality kicks you right in the phenobolies. Because I don't want to believe that this is true, but he filed the 14-page petition in Shelby County, Tennessee, in probate court, and it says that Sean and Leanne Tui, who took over, or who took, I should say, who took Orr into their home as a high school student, never actually adopted him. Instead, less than three months after Orr turned 18 in 2004, the petition says the couple tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. I I don't want to believe that this is true. And by the way, that the petition further alleges the Tuies used their power as conservators to strike a deal that paid them and their two children millions of dollars in royalties from an Oscar-winning film that earned more than $300 million 
while Orr got nothing for a story that, quote, unquote, wouldn't have, would not have existed without him. In the years since, the Tuies have continued calling the 37-year-old or their adopted son and have used the, that assertion to promote their foundation as well as Leanne Tuies' work as an author and motivational speaker. The lie of Michael's adoption upon which co-conservators Leanne Tuie and Sean Tuie have enriched themselves at the expense of their ward, the undersigned Michael Orr. Can I tell you, there has to be somebody that goes to prison for this. And by the way, you know how those Chrisleys, like they didn't go to uh, like county jail. They went to federal prison because they were condemned. Can I tell you, they need to go to federal prison. If this is true and this turns out to be a true thing that happened, they need to be in prison. And I, what I hate for this is that Michael Orr grew up confused about what all of this situation really was. That, that he was put in a position to be confused about his standing with his family and trusting these people. That's the part that I hate. Now, again, they probably will say, well, because they didn't speak. Well, you know, we did what was best for him, and he wasn't, you know, capable of making business decisions and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but you didn't adopt him. See, because, again, he would have had familiar rights. He would have had rights as a member of the family. And they didn't do that. And basically, they acted as like his de facto, you know, like an attorney. Like, they, they, were, they were making decisions in his name. And he didn't know anything about it. Well, he signed the deal. Come on, folks. Kid was 18 years old. 18 years old. And he's thrust into this life-changing situation that he doesn't understand. Like, again, you, you really can't have enough common sense to know and understand the idea of all of the situation that was surrounding him. And, again, he's turning 18 years old. And he's about to go off to college. And he's probably never thought in his lifetime that he would ever achieve anything like that, whether it's playing football, whether it's going to school, whatever it was. That part is true. He was coming from a broken home and all this, that, and the other. Again, I don't want to believe this. I don't want to think that this is true. But I'm telling you, if it is true, I hope he gets... I hope he gets as many millions of dollars as he can, and I hope they all go to jail. I hope the kid, the kids are like 20-something years old. I hope they all go to jail. Anybody who profited off of him without giving him his fair share, I hope they all go to jail if it's true. If it's true, I hope every last one of them ends up in not county lockup, but federal penitentiary. Put him in Attica. Put him in Leavenworth. Put him in some Supermax. Because that's what they deserve. If this is true, and they did this to this kid, then every bit of bad that happens to him. Remember how we say every bit of bad that happens? Every bit of bad that happens to them, if this is true, they get everything they deserve. And I hope he... I hope he lives a good life. I hope he profits off all of this. But this is a disgusting situation 
if this turns out to be true. And I'm crossing my fingers and saying a prayer that this is not going to be true. But I have no reason to not believe Michael Orr. He's probably the most, again, he was not happy about the way he was portrayed in that movie, and people couldn't understand why. Now we probably know some of the backstory. Or in the words of, uh, uh, who was it, Paul, um, uh, oh gosh, who was the radio host? The rest of the story. That now you know the rest of the story. What was that guy's name? Paul, again, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at Day Day, and I, I won't get an answer for the life of me. So, anyway. And that's his bug and Chuckery. All right, coming back, the Jerry Gray influences in full effect. Sports Radio, not to the game, Yonis.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.